Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, thank Robbie you. just did a really good solo one that everyone should check out. Yeah, uh, everyone check out my solo episode. Um, it was just put up on SoundCloud. Um, and we're sorry for not uh, releasing any episodes earlier in the month, but we will definitely be getting out four episodes by the end of the month. Um, after this one, there it, there will be an interview with uh, author and journalist Yasha Levine, who's just put out this amazing book called Surveillance Valley that he's been working on for, I think, at least a few years, um, which is kind of tracing the origins of the internet back to the U.S. military and how that's evolved to today with things like Tor and how the Pentagon funds, partly funds Tor and sort of how the crypto community, you know, a lot of these like sort of crypto activist people are actually, you know, more in bed with the U.S. government in ways that they don't like to talk about. And he paints a very and different picture of a lot of things. You know, that you, if you're if you're into Edward Snowden or Julian Assange, then then you might realize like just based on seeing that type of stuff at a surface level. So cool. Highly recommend his book. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out, man. Uh, it sounds really interesting. I can't wait to listen to it and read his book, actually. So as everyone knows, the Olympics is going on, um, and it's a really monumental Olympics. It's taking place in South Korea. Of course, for the first time, North Korean state officials have been crossing the DMZ to go and be a part of the ceremonies and be a part of the games uh, together and marching as one under a unified flag. So it was a really, really huge deal, especially amidst the constant warmongering and fearmongering from our administration to them to have this kind of historic uh, symbolic uh, gesture and also peace talks despite whatever the hell the U.S. Empire is trying to do to usurp it. So Mike and I tuned into the Olympics, the opening ceremony, because we really wanted to see, you know, Sochi was so epic. Uh, if anyone has not seen the Sochi opening ceremony, you really should because it is fucking nuts. They like totally recreate the whole like industrial Soviet style imagery and all this stuff. It's just nuts. Um, so I, I was excited to see what Korea had in store. And, you know, within the first minute, Katie Couric is, is out there commenting, right, with a couple other American commentators. And, and within the first 30 seconds, she calls North Korea barbaric regime. Um, it, was, it was very, very surreal. I was really amped up. I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. We're not going to really like hear any politics or see this politicized at all. Obviously, this is just going to be about sports, right? So... Yeah, it was a little bit disturbing to see Katie Kirk introduce the entire games and everything that I just said within the context of how barbaric, you know, just very racist language here, barbaric, the North Korean regime is and how, you know, they're so crazy and, and are a threat to everyone. And this just went on and on and on throughout um, the dialogue of you know, it didn't stop. Basically, every time that there was something that had to do with North Korea, she would have to bring in how psychotic and crazy and how they're like threatening to kill everyone and how this doesn't really mean anything at the end. And then finally, the big moment, right, when when North Korea and South Korea are marching as one, they're the last country to come out under the flag. And as they're marching and all everyone's happy and smiling and you see Kim Jong-un's sister and you know, Mike Pence is all like upset, not standing and, and she's cheering and um, the South Korean president's cheering and, and, it, and it's just like such a great moment, you know, 
And again, Katie Kirk just ruins it by talking about how they're, they want to annihilate everyone. Uh, it was a disgrace. It was a huge disgrace. And then you see the Russians coming out under fucking the Olympic flag because we've banned Russia. We banned Russia from the Olympics. Well, I mean, isn't every country doping? It's just, it, it just the most disgraceful thing. Abby, you, you're not aware of the biggest doping scandal of all time where, um, <laughs> where the documentary filmmaker of the documentary, apparently Putin put a hit on him is what he claims in his documentary. Well, Putin kills journalists and documentary filmmakers, Robbie. Yeah. Anyone. And, and Netflix is, has been pumping out these shockingly propagandistic political documentaries, which makes me wonder who's actually on their board and why they're putting out documentaries like that Ukraine one, like the Syria one they put out, which are total like white helmet propaganda movies. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> It's just really funny because it does. It totally harkens back to the era of sort of the Rocky Four uh, presentation, where it shows Rocky, you know, the salt of the earth guy who's lifting logs and pushing, um, you know, pushing bricks around a barn training. Because the, when the Russians invite him to go fight there, they throw him in a barn in the middle of the snow and don't give him anything to like help him train. And then Ivan Drago, the guy he's competing with, is like in a medically like like a medical lab, like science lab with like computer screens and shit, like showing like three D renderings of his body while he's getting injected with like super. <laughs> steroid serum and like running on a treadmill like hooked to electrodes so this is just the way that they've been i mean that's not directly about the olympics but that's just that's what I, basically the same flavor that's been going through our culture since the 1980s that the russians cheat in the olympics the russians cheat at sports they take steroids and we don't even though if you look at our athletes in the 80s americans were taking steroids far more no, than any other country's athletes you look think at, that he wasn't taking steroids. Look at WWF. Yeah. I mean, that was like the that was like the era of steroids plus speed. Look at every right. single monologue those guys did. They were hopped up not just on like insane amounts of steroids, but they were probably also on meth and Adderall and Ritalin to degrees that a normal human being would die from. I mean, like that's oh, absolutely. So it's just funny I, I, to I, me. It's that, just, I mean, I just yeah. told tangent, but it's just funny to me that this doping scandal happened to explode right at the peak of sort of like the RussiaGate propaganda wave. And I don't find yeah, that of a, course that cannot it, be a coincidence. I mean, is and there, these dozens of athletes are now just have no country that they you know they're, they're winning gold medals for. Russia's just eliminated from one of the biggest events. Uh, I mean, if not the biggest of international event, it's just it's a disgrace. And then. I, we were talking about this, Robbie, when when I first saw this, and you were saying that you do not remember the same thing happening during Sochi in terms of the actual commentating. Yes, we knew that Vice was doing their crazy propagandistic stuff, just talking about the hotel rooms. Every U.S. news person was in Sochi talking about how shitty Russia was and how all the hotels didn't have, you know, like had bugs and, and weren't totally furnished and how what a fucking nightmare it is to be in Russia, you know? total xenophobic bantering from like these these u.s commentators but i don't remember actually during the games them saying all this stuff about russia and i so uh, this is all. kind of a new thing no you're absolutely right i mean i remember there was a there was basically the only people saying this kind of stuff at the time you know and we we discussed this a little bit a few days ago but the closest thing to that was probably vice's coverage of it. And, and that yeah. doesn't really count because it wasn't, they don't do like live Olympic coverage, like what you're talking about. 
But Vice's coverage of the Sochi Olympics was very, very slanted anti the Olympics. I remember that very clearly. Um, but just in general, the mainstream media's coverage of the Olympics was totally neutral. They made it seem completely above board. But what they did is they front loaded it all before they got there with all this, you know, look at how ridiculous these hotel conditions are. Look mm-hmm. at all these stray dogs Russia had to kill. Look at, um, you know, there's no gays allowed in Sochi, even though there was one of the biggest gay nightclubs in Russia was in Sochi. Um, so they were trying to front load it with a lot of stuff like that. And they would even bring Dan Savage. Remember Dan Savage went on yeah. like MSNBC and said, we shouldn't yeah. go to the Olympics. We should boycott it just like we boycotted the Nazi Olympics and stuff like that. Wow. But during the actual real time coverage, you're right. They didn't do what they're doing with the sort of the North Korean delegation. So that's definitely a difference. And that is really disgusting and sad um, that they would do that. Um, yeah, it, it was. And, and, and unfortunately, Koreans didn't really get upset about the fear-mongering about North Korea. I'm talking about South Koreans and the, and the coverage so far. What they did get upset about is the fact that someone praised Japan and the Japanese empire. Um, an analyst called Joshua Cooper Romo made a comment of, again, while with Katie Couric, during the opening ceremony, he says that, and, and Abe was in attendance, the Prime Minister Shinzo Abe of Japan, Ramo described Japan as, quote, a country which occupied Korea until 1945, but every Korean will tell you that Japan is a cultural, technological, and economic example that has been so important to their own transformation. <laughs> so that is very offensive. I mean, you know, they, they were basically a colonial project from the Japanese empire, brutal occupation, uh, won their independence, you know, and, and so to say, like, kind of flippantly, like, oh, yeah, they owe so much to Japan. It's disgusting. And then you see who this guy is. He literally works for Henry Kissinger, Henry Kissinger Associates. He's an, a co-chief executive of Kissinger Associates, the advisory firm founded by Henry Kissinger. So, you know, it's just it's it's very funny that this guy, first of all, why is a, a guy who works for Henry Kissinger like commenting on the opening ceremony of the Olympics? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's the, the, the question is funny, but the answer is obvious. It's because whenever it comes to any potential war scenario or hostile footing with like the countries that we want to have a hostile footing with or that the D.C. class wants to have a hostile footing with, the media somehow almost always just has like think tank or like war literal warm like career warmongers on to talk about these mm-hmm. issues yeah i mean that's the sad part uh and it's just such a funny juxtaposition with what you're talking about like this is what you and i saw is just like oh wow the media really doesn't like the fact that north korea and south korea are talking and are trying to get along during the olympics but the right-wing media picked up on this you know, a few small headlines, like one that came out on CNN's Twitter account and a couple other places trying to show how badass or like beautiful or majestic or something that, that, that this North Korean, would you know, actually know her name? Um, the one who was uh, sitting right next to Mike Pence where he refused to like acknowledge her. Yeah. Let me look. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but the media was, you know, there was a handful of stories being Kim like, Jo Kim Yo Jong. Yeah, where it's like, look at how like, you know, powerful Kim Yo Jong looks like sitting next to our like vice president or something like that. So the right wing media picked up on that and ran with it to such a degree where they were like, all the leftist media is like worshiping and apologizing for North Korea. They they worship Kim Jong un. They're all like leftist commies. Like that was sort of the meme that was uh spread after that. 
Um, and you know, to people like you and me, we're just looking at that thing and like, what are they talking about? Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Even when you click on the headline that may seem like it's giving praise to her, it doesn't, it, it basically paints her as some kind of slave when you actually re- read the story about it. So for the right-wing media to think that the U.S. mainstream media is all of a sudden apologizing on behalf of North Korea and is like promoting them is just completely a false reality that is just another example of sort of this like imaginary reality that, that a lot of these people live in, that they can just project based on a few little kernels of things they find that, you know, people blow up on 4chan or whatever. Yeah, and they just blow up the headlines and they don't read the stories because, again, they're just reacting and and don't take the time to learn. And yeah, just to assert their own narrative and, and establish their falsehoods. And, and you've seen this laid out time and again. The North Korea thing was a very interesting example because you even had people like Jake Tapper trying to combat this right-wing wave of people saying that somehow the MSM is glorifying North Korea because they literally just put a headline out there to get people yeah. to read a story about how North Korea is full of slaves. Um, but but uh, so Jake Tapper responds and he's like, for those people who are saying that, you know, the U.S. leaders are worse or like are as bad as North Korea, just take a look, take a moment to like read this amnesty report. And it's just like, wow, how brave how brave all of you to talk about how horrible official designated enemies of the U.S. empire are. Yeah. We haven't been doing this for the last 16 years. Um, so, so better start now, Jake. Um, someone who used to combat Obama about extrajudicial assassinations by drone is now thinking it's extremely daring to talk about how North Korea is the worst, most genocidal criminal country in the world. So, I mean, it, it should just show you the mass brainwashing here. I, I just like called him out. And I'm not going to get into like the the nuances of a boring Twitter debate, but it just showed you like the brainwashed lot and the masses that will not at all reject whenever the U.S. decides to inevitably do regime change. Because people, like we were saying before, I mean, you can say anything about North Korea, and 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 if you remotely look like you're defending like the sovereignty of North Korea, or even comparing how the U.S. has committed just. Uh, an unbelievable amount of atrocities compared to North Korea. That's like no comparison whatsoever. I'm sorry. You can look at North Korea combined with Russia, combined with, with Iran, combined with whatever the next like five countries are that we've painted as our enemies. And it does not compare to the sheer amount of atrocities committed by our government and our country. I know it's tough to hear for people thinking that we're the freest, best country in the world, but it's not factual. Um, and it just doesn't follow history. So anyway, just, pointing out these facts and pointing out, hey, North Korea has never done this. They've never dropped nuclear weapons. They've never done this. They've never done that. I've, I got so much hate. Um, thousands and thousands of people told me, move to North Korea, you traitor, you cunt, hang yourself. Someone sent me like a photo of like poison. Isn't that, um, it was insane. Isn't that because Steven Crowder of Rebel Media, that total phony dipshit, like alt-right charlatan actually quote tweeted you about North Korea? Yeah, and, and he, he took some time off of making incessant videos about black people. Um, that's like his jam, is really caring about all what black what the black people are doing today, guys. Yeah, um, and he took, I mean, took he, time to, to talk about me. So thank you, Stephen. I appreciate that. Hmm. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. I mean, it is, it is kind of curious why all of a sudden Stephen Crowder and Jack Posobiec started cruising our, both of our timelines, because right after that happened... Jack Posobiec, the head of the Lollipop Guild, he actually 
quote tweeted me saying, you know, mentioning this North or sorry, this anthrax threat letter that was sent to Donald Jr. that his wife opened. And I was just saying, hey, if the Trump administration comes out and says that North Korea sent Don Jr. the anthrax, don't believe it. It probably came from the U.S. government. You know, it was kind of a jokey tweet referring to the fact that the only other time anth- real anthrax got sent to somebody in the mail, it was from the U.S. government. It wasn't from a foreign well, government. Well, just flew the hell out of, over his head. He had no yeah, idea he had no idea what I was about. talking about. But basically what happened, just an aside, just really quickly, uh, two people, Don, Donald Jr. and Obama's office, apparently were sent white powder threat letters, like within the span of two days. And Don Jr. went ahead and tried to make it seem like it was like some kind of leftist or Democrat who sent it to him. And then the right-wing media ran with that. And of course, Stephen Molyneux and all these sort of like alt-right conspiracy-centric like people ran with it as a leftist terrorist attack. And I found that really fascinating because God. you know they don't know anything about the actual 2001 anthrax attacks at all. And, and well, it, not even Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson knows. Apparently yeah, not even about Colonel it. Lawrence Ooh. Wilkerson knows. And I've had, I've actually, you know, I, I was thinking I should probably email him and, and ask because he went. He actually did a really good op-ed I thought recently in the New York Times saying mm. I help sell, you know, lies about the Iraq War and it's happening again with Iran. So he, he's really taking accountability still for that. But I don't think that he's really answered for the anthrax attacks and why that so much of that speech involved the anthrax like i don't know if he's yeah. taking accountability for that specifically mm-hmm. so i feel like he should but that's a total aside i mean back to north korea um you know this you know when i saw that letter that don jr letter i got kind of scared because one of the predictions i made a dark prediction was that the olympics could be used as some kind of you know event for some kind of provocation or even at, you know, hate to use this word, but a false flag attack to get us into some kind of war with North Korea. And, um, leading up to it, there was all this stuff about anthrax and North Korea and missiles and how they had anthrax antibodies in their system when defectors would come over to South Korea. So it seemed like, I mean, you know, just a lot of propaganda about that. And it seems like it's died down now, but it was very odd for those letters to be sent around that time, you know, right when the Olympics was getting started. But luckily they were just, I don't know, talcum powder or something. There wasn't actually any anthrax in those letters. So I just went off on a total distracting tangent. So feel free to pick up from. Yeah. I mean, one of the other stories that, that happened was just the cheer squad that they they keep making fun of. They keep showing that North Koreans have people who are supporting the team yeah, and like they they're always really confused whenever they show the Koreans in in the stands, and they're like, "Oh, well, there, there's the cheer squad. Yep, they cheering really hard." And they always like don't they like fumble over their words, and they don't really know how to describe them. And it's like just shocking them that there's normal people who are cheering on their team. Oh, that's right. They must all be um, having a gun pointed at their heads, saying, "Cheer as hard as you can, otherwise we're gonna execute you." When you get off the stands, if you're not crying and cheering hard enough, because that's exactly what people actually think, the stories that are coming out are just so unbelievable to me. But apparently not too unbelievable to a lot of people who just lap them up and never question anything that they read, despite the fact that defectors can get paid up to like over $100,000. I think even more um, people should check out Anya Parampil's documentary. She just went to Korea and did a whole thing about you know, what the U.S. and and other like pro-regime change entities do to pay and coerce defectors to essentially just make up shit. 
Of course. Um, and then news publications will just print it. <laughs> Did you see the Vice, the Vice story about the cheer squad? No, talk about it. Um, well, it's just, they had a tweet where it's like a gif, you know. Of course, it seems like Shane Smith has a particular bug up his ass about North Korea. And he's talked about it a lot. Like, he really hates its existence. Um, yeah, because remember, they were the first, they were one of the first people who did yeah. the propaganda tour. And it he made like, it seem like really, scary as fuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, other people I know have been in North Korea were like, it wasn't scary at all. Right. Like, I think even Pierce, the worst thing he said is his friend went and they had like a guy that worked for the government who was kind of like shadowing him sometimes. And then they just bribed him and he left him alone. So that's some, I mean, like, so that like to that juxtapose with like how scary some of these other assholes make it seem like North Korea is, is just really says a lot. You know, there really is a lot about the spin because we know so little about it. You can really say anything. It goes back to that point that you've been making. Yeah. Um, but Vice ran a headline saying the sad truth about North Korea's Olympic cheerleaders. And in the story, it says after a 2005 performance, 21 members of North Korea's cheer squad were sent to a prison camp for speaking out about what they saw in South Korea, um, which is actually only based on apparently one anonymous source. It was never, that's never been confirmed. So again, it's one of those just totally, you know, like we don't really know what's going on. So essentially we could make up just any fake news we want about what's going on there. I mean, exactly. it's really exactly. just sad to see something like, I mean, but not surprising to see something like this on vice news, which I saw right after I saw a story they did about, here's what it's like to ride in like an F 16 Harrier jet over the super bowl. And it's like, did you watch that Abby? Yeah. It was awful. It was literally, it's literally seemed like a military commercial. Like, yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. It was right. like, what? Well, wasn't it? I, I mean, mean essentially, it's, that's, that's what, what it, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like, this is what this, check out this jet. It was everything but a come to this recruiting station, like after the video was over. So that's yeah. how blatant it was. Anyways. Yeah. It, it reminded me of, well, kind of, uh, you just reminded me of, um, Jerry Seinfeld doing that weird like Israeli boot camp thing. Oh my god, that was awful. It's just it's like in this day and age, after all the news that's come out about Palestine and Israel, like you cannot claim or plead ignorance anymore, especially if you're like that high profile of a person. Yeah. And the fact that he would go I, I you know, I don't I don't like discount people for going over there. Like you're Jewish, that that you know, that's a if you're religious and you're a religious Jew, it's obviously like part of your whatever you're calling. You yeah, want you to have touch a right, the whaling uh, wall. That's birthright great. Right trip. I think even most, most Jews can get at least one free trip to Israel. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Well, aside from the fact that you can go there for free, it's yeah. like, why wouldn't you do that? Um, well, I know why you wouldn't cause you are basically going on a propaganda tour being brainwashed about <laughs> Arabs. But, but I mean the fact that Jerry Seinfeld went over there to show his kids, the whaling wall. Great. Uh, the problem that I have <laughs> is that he went and, and went and actually like willingly did this boot camp. A military training thing against Palestinians with like crazy IDF soldiers and took photos of them to basically endorse this crazy military training thing. Uh, it, was, it was stunning. Um, it, it's disgusting. I'll never look at him the same again. And unfortunately, mom and I the other day just listened to Kramer's bizarre rant against black people. And I totally forgot how awful that was too. He really is psychotic. I mean, I actually have never heard someone go off on a more like racist tangent, I think, like a high profile celebrity than than Kramer, Michael Richards. Do you remember like how insane that was? 
the the IDF tour? No, 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 no. Just I just totally segued to a different thing. I was just saying how interesting it is that like Michael Richards is also totally a racist psycho. Well, it, he he is a racist psycho, and he's also one of the most <laughs> famous free, Freemasons, very what? hardcore Freemasons. He oh, appeared weird. on the front of Freemason magazine uh, about ten years ago. Oh, weird. So he's like he's on another weird level. Um, but yeah, I mean the, yeah. the 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 thing starts with him saying you. N-words were hanging in trees 50 years ago with a stick up your ass. Yeah. Because some black guys were like talking and then he just proceeds to say the N-word like 50 times and he's just like, oh, a white person called you an N-word. And it's like, and then he just walks off stage and like knows, I guess, that his career is over at that point. Apparently, very weird. Just a little bit of, it is very weird. And just total, another tangent I'm going to go on very quickly is apparently the backstory for that was he hadn't done stand-up comedy in like, 15 years or something and he called his agent and he's like i I want you to get me like a show i'm gonna be in la so someone got him like a gig last minute and he didn't and he prepared like on the plane on the way there so like (laughs) so if you're a santa comedian and and you you know be prepared to get heckled you got to fucking have some material ready so you don't uh you don't revert into your like racist monster inner id like (laughs) personality when some black guy starts heckling you in the audience but i mean no i mean a normal person wouldn't revert to that kind of uh retort to a heckler so definitely says a lot about him it at least explains why he was like seemed so um completely unprepared to deal with anything if if that was like (laughs) his first stand-up show in 20 years i guess no i mean it definitely revealed his true self so yeah i guess i guess jerry seinfeld you know seinfeld is my favorite show i've we watched it our entire childhood it's the one show that i don't get sick of i can watch every episode a million times of course not the first couple seasons but the last couple um are totally flawless so it's just genius and it's just sad that two members of seinfeld are like crazy racists it's really unfortunate too bad well yeah i mean too bad very sad (laughs) yeah i mean i wouldn't i don't know if i would call jerry seinfeld a crazy racist but i mean being as being a zionist to the degree where you go on like an idf like terror hunting workshop is pretty scandalous and just you know really disgusting it Um, is i i could i'll i'll call him a crazy racist because yeah i mean that's i i i think it's i i yeah it's not it's to me it's not that hyperbolic to call him that what a shame um, let me just let me just mention this John Hudson thing sure. before I move on. So the, I guess the last thing about North Korea I wanted to mention um, is that we we've been talking. You and I already did an episode about North Korea um, and how it seemed like the administration was already writing up not just war plans, like making active war plans, but writing post-war plans as well, and actually conducting drills about how they would retrieve the WMDs from North Korea after they've invaded it. So we already report on that on Media Roots. And now John Hudson from BuzzFeed is reporting something that I personally think is very misleading and is strange that he would be reporting something like this, even though I know he has contacts. He has really good contacts in D.C. Um, he's actually the reporter who found out about the Hillary Clinton-Robert Kagan event um, before it was publicly announced. Um but he reports that the bloody nose attack um, was a rumor and that the administration never supported it, which to me is a strange headline. Basically, he's basing that on the fact that he got confirmation from people in the White House that it's not happening or something. Um, 
to me, that's a strange headline to put out considering that for the past two or three months, it was in the news. It was in the news enough for a lot of people in DC and journalists knew about it. Might, might not have, you know, a lot of people in like the regular general public might not have known about it. But given that it was in the news for like two to three months and the Trump administration never denied it, even when asked, I mean, that to me, that means that it was, it wasn't a rumor because <laughs> they could have just denied it and shot it down. Um, so I find this story odd. Maybe the Trump administration is just trying to rein in their rhetoric now or something again. It's, it's, it's hard to gauge. What, what do you think, Abby? Uh, very interesting. I didn't, that was the first I heard about that. I think of course it was true. Um, I'm, I'm shocked that they're even, that they even care to rein in the rhetoric. Why, like what, who's even attacking them for the bloody nose attack? You know, it's like, where was the pressure coming from for them That's to throw very this guy question. out there and be like, Hey, very good question. Yeah. Who, who would have been giving them pressure? Because there's this weird balancing act I've been noticing right now where a lot of think tank people are simultaneously saying, you know, you know, trying to make light of Kim Jong-un and, and how bad North Korea is right now because they always strike while the iron's hot. You know, that's how the neocons do. But on the other hand, they're also sort of throwing caution to the wind about Trump's brashness and like they don't trust his administration. That's a weird balancing act to do because it's like, well, so do you want us to go invade North Korea or not? That's really what the question comes down to, right? If you really boil it down, because yeah. when it comes to think tank war makers, it's that's the, the question: Do they want to invade or do military action on a country or not? It was actually weird, as I saw Julianne Smith uh, talking about how alarmed she was at Trump at some kind of um, news story that came out about the bloody nose attack, and she, and this is the head of CNAS. Actually, she's not the head. Victoria Newland is now the head. This is kind of a think tank that popped up a few years ago around the same time as the foreign policy initiative was kind of dying down that Robert Kagan is part of, that Julian Smith is part of, that Eric Edelman is part of. Um, and she actually said this on Twitter. So I, I responded to her and said, do you want the Trump administration to attack North Korea or not? And the, I thought it was interesting. She kept responding to me, but she could never say no. She never actually gave me a no answer. (laughs) So while she was acting really alarmed and kind of pretending like, oh, this is really sort of irresponsible. We're, you know, we're walking our way into sleepwalking our way into a war or something. She couldn't say no. Um, And I just like, how hard would that have been to say? It's just like that op-ed that just came out that said we just like stumbled our way into torture. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh my we just God. rolled we stumbled, our way down the hill and then landed at Abu Ghraib. <laughs> we stumbled our way into making a bunch of men circle jerk, uh, like in a prison with like a blindfold on. Yeah. What the fuck? We blindsided our way into creating a gulag on an illegally occupied land. Yeah, we slept walked our way into letting a prisoner <laughs> die of exposure, and then we slept walked our way into letting all the um, the uh, the guards take pictures with thumbs up near his corpse. We were sleepwalking when we raped everyone with inanimate objects and Gitmo and, and fucking tortured the shit out of them. And we well, still we probably are. were. Someone probably was sleepwalking or at least very tired when they recorded that footage that Seymour Hirsch claims exists of us actually raping Iraqi boys in Abu Ghraib. Absolutely. Because um, whoever that recorded was just that a tape fluke. was a fucking dumbass. I mean, that was it, a huge ass fluke. Yeah. 
it's just going back to the whole the whole thing the u.s always has um benevolent intentions that we always are the good guys it's the sam harris argument it doesn't matter that we killed tens of millions of people around the world it doesn't matter that we have a gulag or a torture house or that we're eroding all the civil liberties of everyone and and you know having economic humility for like half of the planet under the arm of our oligarchs it's all just because we have great intentions robbie don't you get it we really want to be doing good. We just happen to, you know, fuck up sometimes. Well, yeah. I mean, in reality, that's kind of a really Machiavellian point of view because it's like to do good, you kind of have to do evil. If you're the most powerful, the good yin and figure, yang, baby. That's really the Machiavellian philosophy when you really boil it down to like the you know childlike framing is I'm the best good person on the block and I have the right to do evil against you because I'm the best good guy. Absolutely. That's the sad. That's the, how fucking sad that philosophy really is at its bare at, at, at the bare essentials. It really comes down to racism too, because a lot of the comments that I was getting for the North Korea stuff, a lot of the flack was people saying, "Okay, well, you know, I concede the point that the U.S. is an empire, but what would you rather have? Like, well, North Korea would have done all this stuff if they were the empire, so it's better that we're the empire because we did it." It's like what? So you're saying that this this stuff is also would have been done, but but it's better that it's like by a white nation instead of an Asian one. Like I, I don't even understand where this logic comes from. So it's okay that we're the empire, but not Asia or like Russia or the or what would you rather have an Iranian empire? It's like I don't know, dude. I just don't want anyone to be killing millions of people around the world. I don't give a fuck if it's like white people or Asians or Iranians. Like it's, you should be against the act. It's just such a weird premise because. What other countries in the world, you know, I mean, I could see someone maybe saying that about Russia or China, but not North Korea. They, yeah, and, they, it's, and it's it's like a hypothetical fantasy of an empire baby just being like, well, they would have done this, so I don't I don't care if we bomb them. It's like, what? I, I too love to live in like hypothetical delusional fantasies that don't exist. Yeah, that's, it's, it's very, very unfortunate. I mean, it really does, it, I do think it is really is rooted in not just racism, but just like jingoism and nationalism. It right. really does blind people. Um, it and does. I r- really feel like it even blinds a lot of people who are like neoliberal and even people on the, who call themselves progressive or on the left with Russiagate. I mean, that's obvious. Oh God, yeah. Oh I God, talk yeah. about it in my solo podcast. There's a lot of examples of that. Um, and it's just a real bummer because it really does affect you know, the, and and I, I'm not conflating the left with neoliberals, but some people on the left do have some of these nationalistic, like patriotic tendencies sometimes, and it surprises me. But, yeah, that that's uh, it is a problem with being an internationalist and also like understanding that nationalism is dumb. But then you also have to side with some nationalist struggles before we can get to the point where we can really, you know elevate that to an international level like palestine like you have to support the fight for a sovereign palestine you know it's like it just it just kind of goes in the face of like you know rejecting that notion of nationalism mention really quick um just before we go to the next topic about what's going on with um putin you know boss I don't know. I know that Putin is there and I know that they are really jockeying hard for Putin's approval um, with this whole Netanyahu kind of fake corruption scandal and potential indictment. I'm, I'm not really clear 
Um, for the next podcast, I'll definitely have it a little bit more elucidated. I just haven't been following like the nuances of. But just of the it. fact that he's there is like very unprecedented, right? It I is. Mean, yeah. Yeah. He's there for the first time in a long time. Yeah. It, it is interesting. Um, and again, I mean, going back to the whole Israeli attack on, on Syria and then the retaliation, I think that we're seeing Russia assert itself more on the international stage. I think it's good. Um, and we can get into that story in a second. Do you have anything else to say about the Abbas thing? I mean, it, it just, there's a lot of stuff going on in Israel right now. Um, that's, that's very, very interesting. Um, this Netanyahu corruption indictment among many things. Um, I cover them on the, on the last podcast, mm-hmm. but we, we might go into them a little bit too on this one. It just kind of, it almost kind of reminds me of the Trump stuff because it seems like people are hyper focusing on one aspect of Trump, which is the Russia stuff. We, yeah. we understand that obviously if it's about money laundering, then that could be said about multiple governments, but, but it's weird that people are just hyper-focusing on like this corruption thing with Netanyahu and not the fact that he is housing like an apartheid, genocidal, open prison, imprisonment of children. It's just odd. It's like, why, why are we focusing on, on like money laundering and not this like genocidal, crazy criminal policy? So again, people's priorities are a little bit out of whack. I, it's not where my head would be at if I were trying to bring Netanyahu down, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see where this plays out again. I don't think there's hope from within Israeli society. And I think this is doing the opposite effect where it's convincing liberals here and liberal Zionists that look, we can hold people accountable in Israel. And there really is this kind of force that can reject Netanyahu's policies. That's not the case. Netanyahu reflects really what Israel is just like Trump is a true reflection of what the U S empire is. He's just beneath the mask and just Netanyahu in general is just such a gross person. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. It really is. Like, I'm surprised someone hasn't made him. I mean, I, I what a dumb thing to say. I'm surprised someone hasn't made a movie yet making him look like a total psychopath. What are we talking about? <laughs> talking about a Hollywood. There's like a million, but there's also like a million anti-Semitic, like yeah. crazy <laughs> conspiracy videos yeah. just about him specifically. Yeah, but so like, funny. it would be, I mean, uh, I guess Steven Spielberg did that Munich movie, which is a very, very bizarre movie if anyone hasn't seen it. It's like trying to be like a commentary against Arab terrorists, like Palestinian terrorists and the IDF and sort of like a Mossad at the same time. Um, very bizarre movie. Anyways, totally irrelevant to what we're talking about. But yeah, <laughs> Netanyahu to me is just an absurd character. His He sounds like he's got like a Philadelphia accent. Um, everything about him is just insane to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, and his son is like an alt-right troll. Oh, it's, that's it's a crazy, curious, yeah. It's a curious, con- yeah. His son actually thing. posts anti-Semitic alt-right memes. Yeah, showing that there's the a fuck? crossover between the alt-right and, you know, you don't need to, like, love Jews to be a Zionist, honestly. Yeah. It's a white supremacist ethno-state. Well, look at um, Steve Bannon and Breitbart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Andrew Breitbart, exactly. those guys started it in Israel as a symbolic gesture because they had an affinity for the ethno state of Israel. Exactly. It's that simple. Exactly. Let's yeah. go to El, El Salvador now. Yeah, let's let's move on to El Salvador. This just shows you the antiquated, you know, talk about barbaric. This is a law that's barbaric. A woman is pregnant, uh, tries to have her baby, tries to call an ambulance, right? When she when her water breaks, can't get the ambulance to come, ends up having like a stillborn baby. In this restaurant, what happens? She's fucking arrested. 
and put in jail for 30 years because abortion is illegal in some of these countries still that Catholics took over and destroyed. And um, they have these antiquated laws still against abortion. And this woman basically went to prison because she had a stillborn baby. I mean, the trauma of already having a stillborn baby and then going and being punished and put in jail for 30 years of your life. It's just stunning. And I would never know these like little stories if I didn't watch Democracy Now. At least Democracy Now still does a really good job with covering daily news stories that are totally censored by corporate media. And I also heard about a story about DACA recipients who are marching across the entire country right now. Um, So while everyone's hyper-focused on Russia and all the indictments and how this finally proves the collusion, you know, this is the real resistance going on. There's DACA recipients who are facing deportation that are marching like from city to city trying to gain attention for what they're going through. Um, so yeah, maybe we should just pay a little bit more attention to what people are like putting their whole lives on the line to try to send a message to this president and actually fight, uh, the agenda that's being rolled out, the extremely anti-immigrant agenda where ICE is now just, uh, raiding everything from hospitals to churches, uh, waiting outside of people's homes. There's a new Gestapo, like, like we've said, their job's fun now and they're definitely taking advantage of that. And it doesn't seem like there's that much of a pushback on the ice stuff, which I find very disheartening. Well, there's, I see two things happening. So obviously Russiagate is taking totally any focus away from that. I mean, we even saw like the Sergey brother, one of the guys from founders of Google going to one of those airport protests, like right after Trump got in office, after he did the Muslim ban. And there was a huge conglomeration of even like celebrity neoliberals who want who wanted to get behind that too shepherd ferry even made the you know painting of the the woman wearing a um a hijab with the american flag all that stuff that's all gone now like that little um sort of conglomeration of all those forces coming together for like real issues like that is gone already i mean so that's one reason why it's not getting the pushback. And then the other reason is there's a lot of progressive sort of disaffected, like Bernie people who kind of almost lean a little bit too soft on Trump who just will come back with, well, Obama deported more people or just as many people, but they're sort of missing the point, which is what you're saying is this is more of a show of force. It is more Gestapo, like trying to like act, you know, more cowboy mentality, law enforcement. It's done as a PR stunt to some degree. And this is what Trump was talking about when he kept talking about law and order. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, it is a problem that, you know, Trump deport. I mean, that Obama deported so many people under the radar and then it didn't get enough coverage um, to sort of try to really get a lot of people outraged about it going on now. Um, but it is outrageous. I mean, I guess it, it's so outrageous if you just know anyone who's Mexican or undocumented or have undocumented people in their family, which I know a shitload in LA, and their lives have completely changed. Mm-hmm. Like their family has either fled to Mexico preemptively or they're just like living in the shadows. So well, it's because- I think that it's just people who do not understand what these people are now going through. And it's a completely yes. different scenario than under Obama. I, I agree. It is different. It is different in a lot of ways also because Trump's rhetoric was designed to dog whistle to racists. Exactly. And also to scare Mexicans. Right. Mexicans who have any undocumented family members or undocumented uh, immigrants themselves. 
It was designed to scare them. Obama didn't have any rhetoric like that. So even if he was rounding up, let's say even if he was rounding up just as many people, I don't know the exact numbers. I can't compare them right now. He wasn't trying to also scare all of them too. So that's, so like, yeah, if you are, if you know anyone who's undocumented or know someone who has a family member or a friend that's undocumented, Trump getting in office was very, very scary yeah. for them. And it still yeah. is. Um, it's sort of terrorizing. So right. that, that has to be taken into account. You can't just only look at the numbers alone. Yeah, so. you have to look at the sentiment that it's emboldened exactly, through all these exactly. crazy alt-right yes. people, like that guy going up to the Asian girl in L.A. saying, oh you flat-nosed, so... like, psycho, Trump, Trump, like, screaming at her. It's like, dude, what is happening? That guy looked like Adam Kokish or something. That was so disturbing. He was so psycho. Like, this is what this is what Trump's presidency has done. Even if Trump didn't actually go through on any of his plans or agenda, just the rhetoric alone Mm-hmm. does extraordinary damage as we have clearly seen from multiple videos that have come out of these hate crimes and just attacks. That's it's, 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 um, it's the one thing that Scott Adams said, the one thing, single thing that he said that remains to be true is that Trump has extremely powerful, persuasive language abilities. And, and somehow he's, he's even still has that a little, he's not as good. I don't think as he used to be, He's slipping, but he, I mean, he, he still has it to some degree. Yeah. And it, everything just seems to bounce off of him still. Oh, just like this new woman. I haven't read the article yet. Again, not Stormy another, Daniels? Not, uh, no, there's another like Playboy Playmate that, that another huge story just came out like two days ago Are you where sh- it's kind of like a Harvey Weinstein apparatus that he had where he had media entities that would buy the story, have exclusive rights over it, and then kill the story, and then have all these like spies and people to just put the kibosh on it ever coming out. Um, But not that it would have mattered. That's the thing. Like you said, nothing can stick to this person. It doesn't matter that he had uh, an affair with a porn star who, who slapped his ass with Forbes magazine. It doesn't matter that he had an affair with this woman. Nothing matters. We know that Melania and his bizarre relationships like fake anyway well um so it's like nothing can really stick to him or take him down no i mean but at the same time i wonder if a lot of this is still designed to just like get inside of his head and make him stressed out exactly that's almost like ruin his marriage totally and people are like melania what are you gonna do like are you gonna leave this asshole and she did look i mean i i would kind of tend to agree with the media sort of trying to gaslight that situation where that they were trying to create strife in his marriage and then they started covering what they perceived as strife in his marriage. <laughs> right? Did you <laughs> yeah, watch know, like exactly. Brian Ross and not Brian Ross, but like Brian Williams and other people like that being like watching footage of Melania, like walking across the tarmac and like analyzing it and stuff. And she looks like a dead soul. She looked fucking pissed. Yeah. I mean, because even if she allowed this, like, I mean, I would assume even if they, let's say if they have some kind of technically open relationship, it's probably not, the power dynamic is probably not such the word that she has veto power in any way. Right. It's probably right. just like Trump can fuck whoever he, he wants and she just has to deal with it. And what's she going to do about it? Yeah, this this new porn star, or not porn star, sorry, this Playboy Playmate, I don't know. Um, who, Her name who is Karen McDougal. Karen McDougal. She said that Trump tried to pay her like after they had sex once and she was just like, I'm not a prostitute. And I was just like, yeah, because your arrangement is you go meet him on these lavish vacations. He buys you whatever the fuck you want, but like taking the money right after sex is too, 
<laughs> that's too obvious. You don't want to be like that much of a bot and pay. It doesn't want to be that seem that transactional. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's just. Well, think about it this way. I mean, I and this is going to sound maybe a little crude or disgusting, but I talked about this a little bit on the solo podcast I just did. Um, the idea that if Charlie Sheen was just like rich enough or powerful enough to just like watch porn videos and be like, I like this porn actress. I'm going to make her my girlfriend or like pay her to mm-hmm. live with me or whatever. Imagine what a billionaire could do mm-hmm. or like a dot com C- CEO CEO could do. Exactly. Or, you know, people with perversions or people who just want, they want what they want. They see, you know, they see a woman in porn and they're rich enough to like pay for her to come over that you can probably pull all sorts of strings when you're that rich. So to think that Donald Trump was doing that, like that this is a surprise that someone like Trump did this. I mean, I think that would be naive. I'm sure that. Well, again, what is the relationship with Melania? It's like a mail order bride relationship. He doesn't speak her language. And how do they even communicate? She lives in a different room. It's like, it's just so, all of it's just so fake. All of it is fake. And also, by the way, her parents are like illegal immigrants too. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to go into that whole argument too. I mean, literally. Yeah. I mean, Eric Schmidt, just an example of another rich and powerful guy. Um, he, he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of negative press coming towards him, but he actually is married and he has, makes his different mistresses sign very complicated NDAs and actually pays for them to live in different pl- places around the world. Um, See, and this he's is, smart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this is all an open, it's not even a secret. It's all, le- you can actually find like legal filings and stuff to just sort of trace all these pieces together and be like, oh, this is obviously what he's doing. Right. Um, so rich and powerful people, they can do shit like this. They get away with it. But the fact that Trump's lawyer, and I mentioned this already on the last podcast, he had the gall to be like, no, I paid Stormy Daniels out of my own pocket because Trump is my friend. And I didn't want like this negative attention, even though it's not true to affect him because even false information can still be. Yeah, that makes sense. That's such a legalese ass like lawyer stonewalling thing to like put out because it's like, well, okay, so basically you're admitting to doing it on Trump's behalf, but not, but you're claiming that he didn't tell you to do it. Right. <laughs> it's so silly. It's so, and it's dumb. so yeah, ballsy sure too, to be like, yeah, I did money. it. Yeah. Like we, yeah, we did pay, I did pay her off out of my own pocket. Um, another really interesting thing that came out that the corporate media of course won't cover. And a lot of, I, I haven't even really seen this anywhere. Um, the Taliban wrote like a 10 page open letter. This was two weeks after Donald Trump rejects wholeheartedly he's just like no peace talks with the taliban uh, you know this is 17 years of an illegal occupation uh, civilian casualties hit an all-time high last year the war is getting worse it's not even a war it's just like an occupation that's strengthening the taliban has been ever since we invaded um the u.s is doing nothing there they're not advancing any ground they just have like cornered themselves off into these little territories that they just keep to say that they haven't lost um, it's inevitable that it's going to be another Vietnam-style just embarrassment. It's just a matter of time. Um, how many more people are we going to throw at this country? How many more soldiers are we going to throw at this country? How many more civilians are going to die in the crosshairs? It's just outrageous to reject talks with the group. <laughs> uh, and so they published a very cogent letter that I everyone should read. It's hard to find because no one's going to just like publish it outright, but yeah. Common Dreams links to it. And you'd be surprised reading it. 
Um, it's very I'm not going to really go into it right, right now. now. You don't yeah, want to go into it? I mean, we can. I mean, it, there's there's a couple highlights that Common Dreams points out. It's just shit that we would say. It's kind of like when you read Bin Laden's like sermons and stuff, and you're like, wow, like this is pretty on point. <laughs> oh, it's definitely, yeah, no, it's extremely on point. I mean, it's so on point. It's like, oh shit, like there's no wonder this is not getting like press. Um, but there's a really funny, uh, something I noticed about it was that it doesn't actually mention 9-11 as a justification for invading them. And I thought that was interesting. It says that in two, this is from the actual Taliban letter. It says in 2001, when your ex-president George W. Bush ordered the invasion of Afghanistan, his justification for that felonious act was the elimination of the Islamic Emirate, the Taliban and Al Qaeda. Um, and then they sort of frame the rest of it with, but despite your continuing this bloody war for 17 years and accepting huge, ca- huge casualties and financial losses, your current president, Donald Trump, to continue the illegal 17-year-old invasion with Afghanistan, acknowledged increased insecurity in the emergence of multiple groups instead of the yeah. single unified Islamic Emirate, the Taliban. They put Taliban in parentheses. So... I guess that's pretty much, you know, they're basically saying that it's just a total shit show. Like there's so many different groups operating there now that their goals are, you know, completely convoluted. They don't really have a real exit strategy. Um, Yeah. I like that. They also say, if you want a peaceful dialogue and with the world, with Afghans and the world, they said, make your president and the warmongering congressmen and Pentagon officials understand this reality, compel them to adopt a rational policy toward Afghanistan. Yep. Unbelievable. I mean, Unbelievable. It's actually a it's fairly soft letter. It's being, I mean, it's trying to be like, is even though it's very critical, it's, it's in, in some parts, it's not, it's actually not that harsh towards yeah. the U S. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's pretty lucid and rational compared to, you know, like just Tim Chirac, we're doing this interview right now about the North Korea stuff and everyone says, oh, North Korea is making all these belligerent genocidal threats. And it's like, actually, we're the ones making belligerent genocidal threats. They're reacting pretty rationally, saying we're just in the Pacific theater of war. We're going to shoot a missile here over Japan. We're going to do this near Guam. That's just them entering the theater of war that we have already established in our like, harping down their throats on a daily basis. So it's kind of the same as this. It's like the Taliban is just like, this is the situation. Here's what we need to do to get out of it. We need to have some sort of dialogue. And Trump is just like, no. Yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't ever, I, I, I would be very surprised if we ever had a dialogue with Afghanistan or with the Taliban um, and actually tried to work out some kind of deal with them unless it comes down to, sort of, okay, now we need to build, now we're actually going to build this pipeline. And it's just the stakes are so high that we have no choice now but to completely bribe and pay off all the Afghans and Taliban that were fighting us to help us protect this pipeline now. That's I just don't understand because that's what we've been doing the last 16 years is bribing the Taliban and giving them money and stuff. So why, but it's like we can't, we can't like admit that we're going to have a peace talk with them. We'd rather just throw a shitload of cash at them and like, let them do all this opium trading and sell I know, all the heroin so, off. It, it is really, it just seems like a black hole. It's, it's really hard it to know exactly what we're really trying to do there. Um, it is. 
you know, You're other totally than right. what we know is that the heroin market is getting flooded with so much heroin right now because of Afghanistan. You're right. It, it, I think we're going to find out a lot in the coming years about what has been happening in Afghanistan and why we have not left truly um, because nothing really makes sense there. It is a black hole. No. Let's let's move on though because we have the two big stories that we haven't even gotten to yet, which is the school shooting. This is uh god, I don't even know how many school shootings this year. I don't know really like what constitutes a mass shooting. I think it's more than 4 people getting killed. So, I I don't really know the numbers there, but it's a lot. I'll look it up and, while you're talking. Yeah, and you know, it, it happened about 4 days ago now where 17 people were killed. This is in Florida in Broward County at a high school. These were all people in the freshman class. At least 15 other people were wounded. Um, one of the deadliest school shootings in U.S. history. The gunman, 19-year-old former student named Nicholas Cruz, um, again, shared shared a common trait, right, with, with other mass shooters. Uh, he had a record of abusing and threatening women. He also was a Trump-supporting alt-right shithead who was in like a private Instagram chat talking about how he wanted to slit black people's throats. He hated Jews, like just the typical racist tropes that you hear being repeated on, on 8chan and Reddit. That's this guy was just embodied all of them. And that, and just for the record, I think that's the only one that they haven't been able to absolutely confirm that's him, but the name does check out the, the YouTube yeah. comments and other things they've been able to cross reference that that's for sure is him. But that one, I, for some reason, the news put it, I'm just saying that that story that's running, they, they themselves put a disclaimer on it. So I just thought we yeah. should mention Yeah, that. yeah, they're saying, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're still confirming whether that's him in the group chat, yeah. but the group chat has his name and it goes back a whole totally. year. So yes. it would be a pretty hard thing to hoax yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of being like a 4chan person if he was like building this case for a year. So I or do think it is him. Or someone with a different name would be a weird coincidence. So probably yeah. is him. Totally. But this is, but, but again, it's very important that we do talk about these disclaimers and stuff because the news did get it wrong. The, the Southern Poverty, Poverty Law Center, they all bought into this hoax where um, some alt-right militia training guys said that he trained with them. So then the story became quickly how, okay, he's a white supremacist who trained with this militia. And then once that got debunked, now it's like, oh, well, he has no white nationalist roots at all. And that that's a lie. Fake news, fake news. So now all of his alt-right white supremacist ties have been debunked to these people. So it's all fake news. And that's what the alt-right does every time. They get out ahead of the narrative. They try to discredit what the narrative will be. First, they said it was Antifa. They tried to painted on some other guy by by some poor guy in I don't know California who had a hammer and sickle shirt who looked oh, yeah, kind who of like Nicholas Cruz. Oh yeah, didn't look anything like him at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminds me yeah. of this crisis actor shit where it's like that person's yeah. died twice in two different school shootings. Look at they're the same girl. It's like dude, they're not the same girl. Do you have some kind of visual impairment or mental um ailment where you cannot tell that two different people are two different people? It's very strange to me. But yeah, anyways, it was info, disingenuous. Info they probably wars, didn't yeah. give a shit. Infowars came out. All Paul Joseph Watson, all the usual suspects came out and said this guy was an Antifa leftist terrorist. Whether it be the anthrax attack to Don Jr.'s fucking wife or this guy in the school shooting or basically anyone. 
They're all leftists. They're all commies. They're all Antifa super soldiers. Um, but of course, once that fell apart very quickly, it doesn't matter because tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people have already been repeating these insane tropes and just believing them because we live in an insane mass delusion, mass hallucination reality where people just believe whatever the fuck their truth is. So that that happened. And then it switched to ISIS, where then they were saying the guy basically sympathized with ISIS because he literally said Alu Akbar making fun of Muslims. It was like in the context of him actually making fun of Muslims that they tried to pretend like he was sympathizing with ISIS. So it's just these stretches um, of logic to just fit their narrative. I've never seen anything like it, truly. But then when the facts come out that this guy really was like a psycho misogynist, women abusing white supremacist, then I'm trying to paint an agenda, right? Oh, you're just you're just doing this. Just typical leftist trying to paint the agenda. It's like, no, dude, th- these are the facts, though. This is what really happened. Yeah, I don't understand why. I mean, it's like, yeah, sure. You know, like, and this is going to sound really dumb just to even front load this. Like, I'm sure there are some Antifa, you know, left wingers who, who, are, who are crazy enough to do like real violence to people. But that's like such a probably like a such a small ass minority of like, you know, like compared. I mean just think about it on just like a basic level. People who hate women, who hate people of other races, of course they're going to be more prone to right. violence and de- just dehumanizing other humans. This, the act of dehumanizing someone else to that degree and looking at like, and apparently his girlfriend cheated on him. And remember how this is something we brought up when that yep. guy in, I think it was Santa Barbara, Santa that Barbara. kid who did all those like weird he selfie liked this videos. guy too. He talked about him too and said that he he was his hero. Holy fuck. So okay, so that guy that we talked about years ago, God, I can't believe that's that long ago now, who was basically just mad that he never got had sex and all of his videos were just, Why don't girls have sex with me? I'm so attractive. Apparently this guy, um what is his name? Something Cruz? Nicholas Cruz, yeah. Nicholas Cruz, um girlfriend cheated on him and both of his parents, I guess his mom died of the flu too, like in the same year or something. And, you know, someone who already has those kinds of tendencies, who already is very racist and, and misogynist and, uh, something like a tragedy happens in their life like that. Um, it could, I, I really do think a lot of people are prone to snapping and I'm not saying that at all to give, make any excuse for him and to say, Oh, he's a troubled, mentally ill kid. No, I'm just saying that it just all really does make sense. Like why would people, even if you're conservative, you know, you can't accept the fact that someone who hates women and, and talks about slitting black people's throats on chats would, would want to go kill yeah. people. <laughs> right. Like that's not, that's not like some kind of liberal conspiracy to try to jump onto a narrative. That's just like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And it's it, like, why are you rushing to defend white supremacists? It's like, unless you are one. I mean, yeah. isn't this just like a fact? This guy is a total dehuman, like he dehumanized every race and hated women. He was a stalker. He yeah. stalked his ex-girlfriend. And, and, and all of these mass shooters all have abused women, have stalked women, or have records, extensive records of domestic violence, like almost every one to a T. So you have to start looking at the commonalities between these people. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, I was having this, this thought the other day, like if someone has a domestic abuse charge against them or a restraining order, do I want it? Do I want it to be a lot harder for that person to get a gun? And the answer is obviously yes. 
And then the other side of that argument would be, well, there's a lot of women in, in the court systems are against men in domestic situations. So a woman could say anything and get like a, you know, a restraining order or a domestic assault charge put against a man who's innocent and then like ruin their chances from getting a gun because of that. But I, my retort to that would be, even if that did happen in certain very rare circumstances, like that someone made up a lie and they got charges put on them for domestic violence, then... I'm sorry, you don't get a gun. Like that's right. just that's just the luck of the draw. Right. It sucks if someone made something like that up about you, but you, it's kind of it sucks, but you probably shouldn't get a gun. So right. even even if that's your argument, I I really do think that that's it's that's not taken seriously enough. I think that that's more the issue than the type of gun, because yes, it is easier to use something like an AR-15 and to kill more people. However, this guy didn't even have like the modified um, automatic version, which if you look at this chat, a bunch of people were like encouraging him to get. So this just shows how common it is even that people know about the automatic modification to the AR-15. Oh, yeah. And Um, then he didn't even have one. He didn't even bother getting one, apparently. But he got body armor. Which is something well, he bragged here's the about thing. Online. He's 17. He was able to purchase an AR-15. We aren't able to drink alcohol until we're 21, but 17-year-old kids with two records ago, of domestic right? violence. He's He was 17 when yeah. he purchased it, but he's yes. 19 now. Yes. 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 And with records. And the police had gone to his house like 30 times from domestic violence calls. This is the, the stalking. He was expelled from school. I mean, all of these things should be giant red flags, aside from the fact that the FBI was literally called twice about him bragging online about wanting to commit a mass shooting. I'm going to be top a of that, school saying shooter. He wants to kill people. What was his exact quote? I'm going to be a school shooter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then the story was that the guy who ran that YouTube channel immediately reported to YouTube and the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if somebody left a, a, a comment like that on my page, I would be really freaked out. Luckily, no one has. You know, you'll see like yeah. indirect threats a lot, but nothing right. like that's un, that's actually unusual to just see someone just straight out being like, I'm going to fucking shoot up a school. Right. So yeah, that, the signs were there. And before we yeah. get into what you went through with the FBI and for something so small, I wanted to just say really quickly that um, I have changed my opinion on gun control. And I said this online. And of course, it caused a giant fucking shit show from a bunch of dudes, A, lecturing me, B, gaslighting me, and C, telling me you're not going to take my guns. Saying you want gun control doesn't mean you want to ban guns. It means, hey, why don't we enforce the gun laws that are on the books? Hey, why don't we crack down on shady-ass gun shows? Hey, why don't we maybe second-guess the fact that we can sell AR-15 assault rifles that should only be used in, like, military combat to fucking 17-year-old kids? So that's what I mean when I say gun control it doesn't mean ban your goddamn guns you children so i i said this i i I, for the first time ever i came out publicly and talked about the fact that i've had a stalker for eight years now he's mentally ill he's schizophrenic bipolar he's he is potentially dangerous um i've had two restraining orders against this person um he's been following me everywhere i move um, recently, um, after the last restraining order I've had against him, he sent me photos, two photos of a gun kit, um, as well as multiple knives that he said he was able to buy at a gun show, despite having these charges against him. So 
this is very disturbing to me. The fact that anyone would argue with me and be like, man up, buy a gun. Look, it doesn't matter. I do have a gun. I I am armed. I have taken precautions to protect yeah. myself. I have reported this to police. You've done every single thing. Everything. That, everything. Everything. To protect yourself. And so that's, that. it's like people don't understand that you can be pro second amendment in, in the basic sense, but also want strict gun yeah. control, especially for people who are mentally ill or violent. And it really does just show, and I, and I hate to use the, the word mansplaining, but like people who are trying to tell you all these things, they, they have no idea how long you've been going through this. We don't talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. There's a reason why we haven't talked about it. Um, but it speaks to a larger issue here where right after this shooting happens, we find out that the FBI was contacted and didn't even right. do like a knock and talk at his right. house. And that's insane. I mean, and if this guy, if the police can't do anything about what the situation you're describing, that's also insane because of the duration, like the amount of evidence that, you know, you have that you can just hand to a detective or whatever and be like, look, this is like really serious. Um, there's no denying that. How much evidence needs to pile against someone? How many stalking charges? How many, you know, violence towards women have to pile on against a particular individual before police actually take action? And yeah. they're so busy with this fake terrorism creating apparatus of, of infiltrating mosques and creating terrorists out of like mentally deranged Muslims who they somehow convince to like carry out things so then they can say they foiled an attack that they're missing all of these people right under their noses. Um, and while they keep building on the terror watch list with the million plus people that are on it, um, all those people on the list can still purchase AR-15s. You know, it doesn't matter that California, you can't purchase the AR-15 that this kid used. What matters sure. is that in Arizona, you can, and you can just come over here and use it. I mean, that's the United States is really, in a lot of ways, it's still the wild fucking West. I mean, you go to Georgia, you go to Florida, even Las Vegas, there's so many things that you could do there and buy there that you would just as like a person living on the coastal areas, of the United States would be absolutely blown away by. You could buy a live tiger like in Georgia and Florida, I think still. You can keep like an unlimited amount of like wild, like African wildlife. Like if you live in certain states in the United States, you can you can buy unlimited quantities of tannerite which is an explosive exploding target there's video look up tan i have said this before in the podcast but look up tannerite on the pod on uh, youtube there are people who've made like car bombs and like bombs that blow up like like entire barns for fun like in the south like where they're just shooting at a barn that has like a giant tannerite package in it and then they just blow up the entire barn this is just shit you can buy in a store. I don't even think you have to get like a background check for buying Tannerite. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not even, it's, I mean, it's so, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to rein back yeah. in like the gun laws really, but look yeah, at I mean, stuff I, like NRA, NRA TV. Abby, have you been watching mm -hmm. their videos recently? It's insane. They just did a breaking the set style one oh of a God. guy sledgehammering a liberal TV collage. Wow. Yeah. And wow. he's wearing a shirt that says socialist tears. And he oh looks like a fucking like yoked up, like roided God. out, like old guy faced guy. It's really disturbing. Well, it is sad. And I don't think that we 
can do much about the guns that are already in existence, but I have definitely changed my mind about, you know, I I definitely think there are things that we can do and it's total bullshit to just be like, well, it's definitely not guns. It's about this. It's about that. And, and for the people who are saying it's a mental illness issue, Abby, it's not about guns. Well, that's great. So are you, are you also an advocate of total socialized healthcare to actually deal with the mental illness problem that we have in this country? I mean, because we if you're have, not, <laughs> we do have, a, and also it also bugs me that sort of the more like libertarian, you know, info warsy people were, were will spread around their classic meme of this is about uh, antidepressants. Oh, another mass shooter on SSRIs. It's like, well, yeah, most people who are mentally ill do get prescribed right. SSRIs, but why aren't you saying it's because they're mentally ill? Right, you're just saying right. it's because of the drug to treat the mental illness. Um, it's just like autism with vaccines. It's like just a, such a specific thing that has mm-hmm. just just an easy trope. And this goes along with Trump coming out. Of course, you know, the whole reckoning back to the whole, there are good guys on both sides. Trump doesn't like to disparage anyone that's a fan of him. You're talking so about of course the shooter. It's just, yeah. So it's easy for him to just come out and be like, well, again, just a huge problem with mental illness, guys. Um, the fact that we even have gun shows where you can just like, you know, not even deal with background checks and you can just buy from private dealers there. So there's so many problems, but it's just, it's just so hypocritical. And you know, if this guy were Muslim, of course we can go through all those stories. If this guy were Muslim, what would we be talking about? It's just the same thing. Well, what can we do about it? Just another crazy phenomenon that only happens in the U S it's super unique to this country, but we can't do anything about it. So moving on, wait till the next next mass shooting. I guess the only thing we could do is hope that we're not in the proximity of the next mass shooter because it's just a matter of when and where. And that's what we deal with in this country. And the people that were responding that were sane were either women saying, I've been stalked too. Here's my story. Here's what the police didn't do about it. Or people saying, move the fuck out of the US, come to England, come to Scotland, our country cares about guns. At least you'll be safe here. Holy shit. I can't believe you're like dealing with that. Um, people who are just stunned that, you know, we live in a country where this is taken not seriously at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, people in other countries probably don't understand how unsafe someone could be here. If someone who has guns decides to just like haunt them. Yeah. I mean, like, if you, unless you make overt death threats, um, you can pretty much get away with almost anything. Yep. You know, short of actual physical violence or overt death threats. And that's, it's really unfortunate. Yep. Yep. But I mean, when it comes down, like when it comes down to it, if you're like, say like a public figure, um, you know, the, I guess the only thing you could do really do is hire bodyguards who are armed and shit. Yeah, I mean, it's there's that's really still not nothing perfect, you can do. You know? I just read this crazy story about just two gamers, like cute couple, like just did little game. They had nothing controversial at all. They weren't even like remotely near the Gamergate crowd. They just gamed and and whatever uh, webcammed their gaming. Some psychotic fan who was obsessed with the girl and wanted to kill her boyfriend because he just became delusional and, oh and thought that they were married, drove to their house, broke the fuck in. They had to hide in a closet. Luckily, some I, I don't know if the cops killed this guy or what, but luckily they survived. Could easily be dead right now. 
another that story is, just some christian like, yeah gives oh, me yeah. like a f- butterflies in my stomach like yeah. like extremely upsetting wow yeah and the guy had like crazy like um manifestos on his phone and stuff talking about how he was Fuck. married to the girl he wanted the guy to suffer and die um because he was really the 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 girl's husband this is another story that that shows you that it doesn't even have to be political um some christian like youtube star some girl who was like 18 just totally like had nothing controversial or political at all was also killed she like did some event at some library and some psychotic fan just came up came and fucking shot her and killed her just some little youtube star that wanted to make it big so this is this is the world we live in where people are so fucking entitled and psychotic that they think that you are married to them um and yeah, I mean, and, and there's so many delusional people and we have no healthcare system. So yeah, of course it's a mental health issue. That's the first thing I advocate for is universal healthcare. That's the first thing you should advocate yeah. for. And if you're, and if you're talking about healthcare, then if, and if you're not advocating for universal healthcare, then you're a fucking hypocrite. Um, so don't even join the conversation, but of course gun control should also be, uh, factored in. I mean, there's so many things that we can do. Uh, it's not just one thing, of course, it's many things, but to do nothing is the most cowardly thing. Yeah. It's, um, we really, you know, we really should be having more serious discussions about this, but I think it'll just require a lot of unpleasant self-reflection too, about what you just said about this entitlement that Americans Mm -hmm. feel that we can't take no for an answer just as like the way our mentality is like we consume so much of the world's energy. We waste so much food. Um, we don't think that any country has a right to tell us anything. Um, we don't think anyone has the right to tell us no, just like when we're going to stores, you know, even the way men here act when girls turn them down sexually, mm-hmm. you know, they turn into like red pilled, no fap, like outright psychopaths as a result. And sometimes even mass shooters. Um, so, and, and, and the empire baby problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all really, I think we are a very messed up society and we have a lot of self, we need to do a lot of self-reflection. So it's almost like there's mental illness that's obviously playing a role into this, but it's something almost like broader than just mental illness where it's like we, our society is ill. <laughs> like Absolutely. I said, I just sound like an old man, conservative, you know, priest or something, but it, I mean, it is. <laughs> oh no, no, it definitely is. <laughs> It definitely is. And I was surprised to hear that the country with the next biggest like gun um, population is Yemen. Apparently they have the second most guns, um, but it's still way far below the U.S. The U.S. has, I mean, you look at that chart, I think it was like the New York Times that came out with the charts of all the countries that have the most amount of guns. And the U.S. is like, it's like the same with defense spending. It's like 50 times the next country. Mm-hmm. Just like for no reason, for no reason. Yeah, it, it's it's just it's really really sad. Should because we- it's it's all dudes just wanting that fantasy of being the good guy with the gun. That's what it comes down to. The the guys being like, I'm I'm going to be that guy um, that's going to kill someone with a gun, and I just don't know if that's really going to play out. And these people who are like, arm these teachers, arm these teachers, really? You guys won't even buy them school supplies. You're going to fucking give them all guns and AK forty sevens and stuff. I know someone who, you know, we hear a lot about the actual shootings because they're so horrific and they've been happening so regular. But what we don't hear about is like false alarms. 
Right, like, right, right. I know someone um, I, that was talking to on Twitter who um, their their son at school um, actually uh, sent them a text message saying that they think there's like a shooter on the campus right now. And oh they were God. just like horrified because they like were like, wait, is it happening or not? And then it turned out to be a false alarm. But the school wasn't sure at the time. I don't even think it got into the news, but that kind of thing is probably happening all the time too. That's how high, that's how like high these fear levels are right now. Yeah. And also like if there's an armed guard, let's say on campus, don't you, I mean, that would probably be the first person to be taken out. It's like, they just go up, kill the guard and then they just commit the mass shooting. It's like, and I'm sure there, and, and that's, that's aside from the fact that there were armed guards, like at most of these shootings, there are yeah, like armed police officers on the campuses and stuff. The last mass shooting where a quote unquote good Samaritan took someone out with their own firearm was that church shooting. And he did it after it was already done. Right. He, yeah. He chased the guy down. He chased the guy down and killed him. I mean, you know, uh, that I I can't say that what that guy did wasn't heroic, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, I mean, how effective would it really be if someone just surprise attacks you with a gun? You know, most people who have firearms, they, they're thinking more about like a home invasion robbery type of situation. Yeah. They're not thinking, you know, like maybe there is sort of like tactical training now for what you do when a mass shooter who's intent on murdering multiple people like very quickly, what, what you do when that happens or how to prepare for it. But how can you prepare for it? You can't. That's, I mean, other than just having a firearm, you know, if that's your thing and you want to like think that can defend you. But I mean... If someone comes in like a, a, a side door, you know, unless you just like everywhere you go, you just sit in a tactical position in the same way, like a, like a secret service. Like, so basically you would have to act like you're a secret service member yeah, yeah, yeah. at all times. It's like the men that stare at goats. Every room you walk in, you're like, there's this many lamps yep, and exit yep, doors. Yep, yep, and- <laughs> yep. So there's, I mean, you have to live life. Right. So. Well, I do know some psychotic like ex-military people who are dating people from RT who literally live that fantasy day to day. They think they're going to be that good guy with the gun and they actually like go strapped to fucking movies, everything, just waiting, just waiting, dude, to, to take down that terrorist. It's creepy. It just shows that they have some kind of untreated delusional fantasy, like that they haven't sort of grounded themselves in like a life goal or something. I just saw someone make a joke uh, about, you know, like you have a gun and and of course the statistics are off the charts about how, you know, if you have a gun in the house, you're more likely to use it, obviously, or kids. If you have kids in the house, of course, they're going to find it. And he's like, okay, okay, but, but responsible gun owners will tell me, oh, but we keep the gun locked away according to the law. And he's like, so what's the fucking point? <laughs> he's like, that defeats the purpose of having the gun. <laughs> he's like, if you're going to have it to protect yourself, he's like, oh, when the robber comes in or like the guy who's going to murder you, like, hold on. Yeah. Hold on, let me get my gun out of the. Out of, let me open the combination. Uh, strap up. Okay, now, now let's now let's rock. <laughs> like it just it's just so nonsensical. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, let's just be realistic here. Like, I, I mean, just for just from my own perspective, one of the things I've thought of is just like, I I'm a gun owner, but I've also thought, you know, like, what if someone in my house like goes crazy? Or has like right. a psychotic break or something, just something like weird like that happening where someone for no reason, you know, would know of the existence of a gun and then use it without even thinking of the consequences because they're not in their right state of mind. Yep. Like I have dealt with 
and I have experiences with, you know, mentally ill people. So that's one thing I think about. It's like, wow, like just having a gun in your proximity or just even like someone who's like, if you get really depressed and you don't have a gun versus having a gun, like that might be the sort of the tipping point between someone deciding to actually commit suicide and not exactly. doing it. Exactly. So like, I do think that those are some, there is some areas there where people don't talk about enough. And I'm not saying that, you know, don't get a gun because it will increase your chances of getting shot. If you have a gun in your house, I'm not saying that. I mean, a lot of statistics are over, you know, they, they give an oversimplified picture of reality, but there is some truth to that on the other side where what I would, you know, what I was just saying about being depressed or mental illness, um, you know, having a gun versus not having one could, could tip you over into that point of doing something violent and unpredictable that you would have not normally done if you just had a knife or a car. um, Since Sandy Hook, more than 400 people have been shot and over 200 school shootings. Again, I don't know exactly what constitutes a school shooting, but it's just surreal, Robbie, because when we were kids, Columbine was such a aberration. Yes, people were going postal. Yes, there was, you know, Mark Ames covers this in his book, but yes, people were, that wasn't like a totally out of the blue phenomenon of people like shooting up their workplace or whatnot. But yeah. that, that was unique. The Columbine thing was unique and, and it was blamed on everything, video games to the death metal music that they listened to, to yeah. whatever, yeah, whatever. Michael Moore made a documentary about it. Here we are where this is happening every week. It's so normalized now that it's not even on the news at all. And this just happened four days ago. This is just mere months after some asshole in Vegas shot 500 people. I mean, something's going on here, obviously, but it's just, it's just so, it's so normalized. What? It's so normalized. I know that's, I mean, I mean, Adam Curtis's film, um, his film title, hyper normalization. I thought as much as I had problems with some of the things he talked about in the film, I thought that the con the overall concept was very smart because it sort of, it's talking about this sort of larger phenomenon in society where the crazier things get and the more accelerated, the crazier and fat quicker they're coming, the more normalized they get too, which is really an odd thing. Like it is an odd juxtaposition that like the more borderline world war three scenarios that spring up in Syria involving Russia or Israel or Iran, this, the more we're just like, Oh, like we, it just normalized now or like all these shootings, like they just happen more and more often. And it is a really weird thing that something so crazy can be like normalized. And that other countries are just like, what is happening? Like yeah. looking at us just completely stunned. Um, what we were talking about the other day, Robbie, and I wish we were recording it because you just elucidated this brilliant you just articulated oh, no. something so I, fucking brilliant. I, it was about it was about it our truths. No, it's fine, but but if you could just maybe <laughs> generalize what you were saying, and it goes back to the X Files episode that I wanted to plug called "The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat." It's a really dumb name, and even though the X Files has been terrible this new season, that was one of the most brilliant episodes I've ever seen. Like I, maybe my top five of all X Files really? episodes. Wait, it was absolutely was it the awesome. Yes, I loved it so much, and it had this cutting critique of just fake news and the Trump phenomenon and like your truth. Um, just going back to this mantra of like 
your truth, that we all have an individual truth now, that, you know, conspiracies back in the day used to be some sort of consensus built on like a distrust of authority. Now, conspiracies are manipulated and an amalgamation of like our specific narrative. We're all individuals with our own individual conspiratorial views on the world. We all have individual truths that Mm -hmm. are specific to our worldview. And that's very damaging because as we're talking about the fake news hysteria and this bizarre phenomenon of mass hallucinations where we just believe and reinforce our own fake narratives, we've been convinced of them to the point where facts no longer matter. Um, and I don't know if you just want, have anything to say about that because you just, you had a lot of really good shit to say the other day. Yeah, I wish I could remember exactly <laughs> how I said it. But but yeah, I mean, I think before we were sort of indoctrinated, like during, you know, more religious periods of, of human history, um, pre-internet especially, there were things, there were beliefs that held us together. Um, and you know, another one of those things that held us together was sort of like the nationalism, the patriotism, the American propaganda matrix sort of held us together. That's one belief system. But now you see there's so much distrust in mainstream narratives now, and that's good in in a lot of ways because they should be distrusted, but it's bad in other ways because um, a lot of those people gravitate towards just their own conspiratorial sort of um, maybe narcissistic is the wrong word, but their own conspiratorial worldview that they just re- reinforce in themselves and like almost like are addicted to like a drug. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, you know, that conspiracy theorists in general need to make sense of the world and grasp onto things. Um, but I do think that it's more uncomfortable to just sit in the mystery and be like, wow, something is really wrong with this official narrative, but I don't know what the alternative narrative necessarily is, other than this is really, something's really fucked up with this, and let's maybe try to, like, keep an open mind about what it is, instead of being like, you know, like with 9-11, for example, a lot of the problem with, over time, with what I felt um, a lot of the problems with the movement were, is that people form their own counter narrative to the official story that was like too locked in about how they think there were no hijackers on the planes. They think Bush and Cheney, you know, were directly involved in blowing up the towers and all these things that were just these, these constructs that really, I think just set back the movement with the, really the purpose should have been, which ultimately should be about figuring out the truth to really investigate and figure out the truth. You can't necessarily, you know, uh, have all these biases going into it. You just have to like follow the evidence. Um, so, but people don't do that anymore. And I think that what I learned in the nine 11 truth movement is that people, a lot of people would just rather believe their own sort of like fantasies that feel good to believe yeah. something about that feels good and self-satisfying. It's more uncomfortable and not as fun to just be like, you know, what, to tr- just keep trying to figure out what's going on rather than latch on to a conclusion. Well, it's it's it sucks because I feel like the Russiagate stuff is a perfect example of this where I really do want to be proven wrong. I, I am so confused. I feel like I'm out of the joke or like out of the loop of like everyone has jumped on board, even John Cusack and, and Mark Ruffalo. I mean, we are really kind of uh, the last little leg here of people who are like, wait a minute, are we still we're still waiting for the evidence. 
and like there still hasn't been anything that's been proven and it's just so bizarre to me i feel like all of those people are so desperate because they still are trying to save face for how sure they was for hillary's victory etc um and just this x-files episode i encourage everyone to watch it it's on demand uh, it it just talks about the mandela effect in kind of this genius way bringing it back to the trump phenomenon and people don't know what the mandela effect is it's when people remember an alternative history like a group of people will remember for for instance that nelson mandela died back in the 90s when yeah, yeah. in reality he died well after he you know was released from prison i think like 2013 just different alternative facts throughout history that people misremember collectively mm-hmm. it's like a collective delusion but now it's gotten to the point where we can really define our entire society in that way um and it's happening real time which is so bizarre to me yeah it's the you know and pizzagate and some of those other things could kind of be seen that way you know well actually maybe that's too much of a leap to say that but no i mean it's true that and and i've talked to people who tell me trump is arresting pedophiles and everything that's going on even though we don't have any evidence they still believe it and wait say, tell that story really quickly about how you uh, one of your cab drivers just started yeah. talking about the QAnon plan yeah in dc um a young african-american guy i, I was talking shit about the baltimore police planting guns on and and selling drugs and how basically they they are getting exposed for it and the guy interrupted me and he was like yeah he's like you know why that's happening right he's like trump and i was just like my heart just sunk i was like oh my god what do you mean i was like what do you mean trump's doing it and he was like he signed executive order 5678 that uh that basically is mass arresting the ceos and pedophile rings and I was just like, what, how does this have to do with the Baltimore police? Like, I mean, they'll just believe anything and they'll just use it to be like, yeah, the cops are, he's like, you're going to see a lot more cops being taken down. And I was just like, but this has anything to do with pedophilia. So, so crazy. Yeah. And he just, and, 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 and it was Infowars, I'm convinced. Cause I was like, where are you getting this information from? And he was like, alternative media. He refused to tell me. And I was like, dude, don't listen to Infowars, listen to us. <laughs> but it was too late. Because people, as society becomes more and more dystopian, people will gravitate toward these reactionary right-wing conspiracy theories because it's easier, I guess, than to look at something like the root of of the ills is something like capitalism or market forces. That's just, it's too complex. So they want to retreat back to their camps and groups and it's easy to just become a reactionary right-winger. Yeah, and just believe in a false reality. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to even stuff like the Clinton conspiracies, I'm very cautious with those because I know a lot of them were originally concocted by David Brock before he became a Team Clinton guy. So there's these very squirrely operators who like generate these conspiracies. I mean, like another example is Roger Stone, um, who even WikiLeaks on these private leak chats that maybe we can talk about a little in a little bit that Mika Lee did an intercept article about um, that. They got some leaked chats with the WikiLeaks Twitter account. It was kind of a hit job. I mean, it was a smeared hit job on Julian Assange, but at the same time it was very revealing in other ways where um, Julian Assange apparently thinks Roger Stone is a total bullshitter, um, which, you know, you and I know, but he's putting on a lot of those narratives too. You know, even if uh, these, you know, Bill Clinton did rape, women or sexually harass women. The fact that Roger Stone is sort of involved in that and sort of popularized that meme during the election is, is unfortunate. 
that he's like attached to that in, in any way. So yeah, I don't even absolutely. know what I'm saying now. But I mean, let's just move on to the Russiagate stuff because this is, you know, just yesterday, Robbie, these indictments came, came out and I got hit up by multiple people saying Abby has egg on her face. Um, here's the indictments. How can really? you possibly say there's no Russia collusion? And I was like, what is this though? Yesterday, Mueller came out with 13 indictments. All right. And that's supposed to be the big, huge gotcha. Here's the Russia collusion proof. Um, the thing that's missing in all of these breathless reports about how this is the proof of Russia collusion is the fact that it doesn't prove Russia collusion. Even, even he said that this has nothing to do with Russia collusion. It's just simple indictments that he's throwing on these like bot farm operators that are Russian. And this is, this is just so outrageous because even after the school shooting, they came out with a story saying, once again, look at these Russian troll farms trying to sow discontent um, and sow discord. And, and their proof was literally like three bots. And, and, and again, they didn't even know if they were bots or not. They said it's impossible to determine who's a real person and who's a bot. So that's a disclaimer in the article. But then it talks about how what the bots were, were posting. From? Um, I have it in here. Hold on. Um, NBC. Okay. NBC News. It says Russian trolls flood Twitter after Parkland shooting using covert Russian propaganda to stoke America's raw divides. What's their proof? Oh, well, it's proof of basically someone using the hashtag gun reform now and NRA has blood on its hands or whatever, posting anti-NRA stuff, anti-NRA stuff. So that's their proof now of Russia trying to sow discontent is someone posting how the NRA has blood on its hands. And click on- Who may or may not be a Russian bot. And and let me just guess, since I haven't read this article- um, I would guess, uh, I would bet $1 million if I had it, that that information comes from the Alliance for Securing Democracy, Hamilton 68 Hamilton dashboard. Hamilton 68 dashboard. Is that where it's, what it says in the yes, article? Yes, of course. Boom. So Bill Crystal's new think tank. This is, it's really bizarre actually how Bill Crystal's new think tank is way more influential than even the foreign policy initiative was. This is like his moment right now. I mean, the fact that he's getting the media to run with these narratives that all these hashtags are coming from Russian bots and stuff, really fascinating. So this, I mean, so now it's just anyone posting anything is now the Russian government trying to sow dis discord. Well, yeah, that's and, what, one of the weird things yeah. about when I called out Shane Bauer, it was because he came to Berkeley and did a bunch of coverage about the Antifa, you know, versus uh, Trump um, protests happening in Martin Luther King Park. And then right after he came and did all this on the ground coverage, he was just posting all this stuff from the Hamilton 68 dashboard that evening being like, look at what the Russian bots are trying to do with the Antifa protest today. And I was just Once like, what spook, the hell is going a spook, on here? Dude wants a spook, always a spook. <laughs> For reals though. I mean, these people are just lapping it up, man. Bill Crystal's rebranding all this covert stuff going on with the, all these stories being planted. And now the big Russia collusion story, the huge indictment, the huge news, 13 troll bot operators that again could have been outsourced by like, agency. yeah, that could have been outsourced by like a Koch brother billionaire. Like I still don't understand why we immediately think that bot farms are, are engineered by like the governments that they're operating in. I and, don't get that. And and let's just, and if you really look at the details of the indictment, it's 37 pages. You can look at the actual legal filing on justice.gov, 
Um, we'll link to it on the timeline here. Um, it's basically saying that these people like defrauded GOP like campaigners on the ground or something. Yeah. And pretended to be some kind of like pro-Trump organization, even though they were secretly working for Russia. So I guess maybe in some ways that's what differentiates it from the fact that like RT, you know, cause I was having this argument with someone on Facebook. I think it was actually Ray that the director of nine 11 press for truth. He was like, okay, are all my lefty friends going to come out now and admit that they're like <laughs> new McCarthyism and all those accusations were silly now that we have this indictment. And I'm like, what? No, because oh, RT, no. you know, basically they're saying this is not the influence in the election that they were originally alleging. So if this is what the, it means now to influence the election, really the only difference between this and RT is that RT is doing it out in the open. In the sense that not not influencing the election, but in the sense that RT, th- its existence wants to have some kind of influence in our dialogue, and that's I mean th- at a very base level that's always been true. That's what's right. so weird about this is like is that where we're really taking this argument now? So then why isn't so then why isn't RT being accused of somehow being some kind of secret influencer in the election? Is it because it's called Russia Today? That's what's I don't understand exactly about why this is illegal somehow. You know, why this legal filing for this? Maybe it's it seems like comes down to fraud or something. You know, well, like something like the, it's almost like a technicality. I that's what I'm trying to understand. It's Yeah. No, the, you're you're absolutely right. It really doesn't make any sense on that level. And also the, the interesting aspects of the allegations in the indictment. This is according to Bloomberg. And of course, chickens coming home to roost. Now it's about Jill Stein and Bernie Sanders. What a fucking surprise, right? So now it's not just these hundreds of Russian trolls attacking Hillary Clinton on behalf of Russia. Oh, well, what do you know? They were also supporting Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein. So of course, Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein need to be attacked now and need to denounce this Russian propaganda campaign that helped them. Um, So that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is the fact that even Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, is admitting that this did not affect the outcome of the presidential election. He literally said this, quote, information warfare had no effect, no effect. And the indictment, again, cites no instance of Russians coordinating directly with the Trump campaign. So when it gets down to the brass tacks, like what you're saying, it's so different from the initial accusation but, but, but somehow people have just been conditioned and placated that now we just accept this as like proof. Like, oh, well, all these leftists were wrong. Everyone has egg on their face. This is totally proof. It's like proof of what? The fact that 13 Russian bot operators put out anti-Hillary Clinton hashtags? That's not what this was about. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, that it's... It is... Um... I, I guess I just keep going back to this point of how strange it is that it's moved so far away from the original framing of how Russia meddled in our election. Right. That it was done through a hack and that WikiLeaks was working with Russia and that Trump's campaign was somehow coordinating with them too. Like coordinating with WikiLeaks or whatever. And that's never been like clearly, that narrative was never even like the the, the idea that WikiLeaks was working with Russia, they've tried to really like solidify that in the in sort of this media narrative but not so much the additional component you know the that the trump was involved 
And then when you look um, at the actual ads themselves, they make less sense. You know, the cute puppy ad, the Superman Jesus image. From um, the Internet face- Research Agency. The- yep. Yeah. And Facebook itself even says that over 50% appeared after the election and that 25% were seen by virtually no one. Yeah. Um, so it's just I mean, like when the you DNA look at the report. facts, yeah. It's just like the DNA report that talked about Russia today for that small section. They're talking yeah. about it in 2012. So they're alleging that they tried to have an influence in the 2012 election. Okay, fine. If that's the parameters they're using in which to define that Russia today was trying to have an influence, then they, you could argue that Russia was trying to have an influence in every major election in the, in the world that it was like broadcasting in. If it's just exists in playing a TV channel, the bar, it's like the bar just keeps getting lower and lower. Meanwhile, what defines this? Meddling. Mean, meanwhile, that Iranian woman that held her hijab up, guess what? She got paid like $200,000 from the Voice of America. Oh, shocker. Yeah. The Iranian VOA chapter or whatever. She was getting paid, but she got paid like since 2016, like over a hundred grand by the U.S. government. So interesting. Well, just yeah, really back really quickly to the idea that um, you know that Russia was meddling in our in our country. James Woolsey went on the Laura Ingram show and made a really he thought he was being making a real silly joke that he was really amused by um, when she asked him if we meddle in other countries and he went uh, oh whoop doop 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 he made like some like weird sound effect um, like response what? to her and like and like started laughing. Uh, on her show. And then he also said that the U S medals in foreign elections for a very good cause. Wow. Again, we're better than everyone. So we, yeah. you know, we have good intentions, Robbie. Russia has bad intentions. <laughs> yeah. Like again, about- I mean, that's the one thing I, ag- I really agreed with Kyle Kalinske when he was just like, I actually don't care who hacked the DNC emails. What I care about is what they revealed, which was that DNC officials were rigging the primaries. That's what I'm more concerned about. Of Russians course. didn't create those emails. Like, but I still think the framing of that is he's, I mean, and I talk about this on the yeah. podcast I did is that I think he's conceding too much of the idea that it's like, it does still matter who hacked them because it's like, if we accept that it's the idea that Russia hacked them, then we're just accepting something with no evidence. Right. Of so, course. No, I definitely disagreed yeah. with that where he said, well, we do it too. And I was like, but we haven't proven that they did it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but Robbie Bush says it. Remember that big story? Bush, colon, mm-hmm. Russia meddled in the election. It's like, well, even I, what in John the hell Kelly, is going on? John Kelly and Nikki Haley have said it too. So while Trump is still saying we they haven't, they're now saying it. But what's interesting Weird. is Trump is actually changing his tune now. Right. He just recently tweeted, the Russians were meddling. I, th- I don't know if he used With the word their meddling. anti-American campaign or something. Yeah, he's like the Russians are um, were meddling with their anti-American campaign as far back as 2014, which was like way long before I started running for president. Um, which is interesting that he uses the date 2014 because that's the date you and they, I talk yep, about yep. of when the the American side of the propaganda campaign really ramped up. Yep, yep. That I just thought that was very interesting that he used that date, and I'm wondering why that date is on his mind right now. What's also happening with all these think tanks, and that really does bring up this other narrative that I just don't think gets enough attention, um, and I'm going to be exploring it more in a very heavy agenda part four, which is after Obama got out of office and, and his final speech, um, his final press conference, 
he referred to the leaks, the email leaks that were happening at the time. And this was like, actually like probably like a month at least after the Hillary campaign was alleging and the DNC was alleging that these leaks were coming from the Russian government. He never called it a hack, even though the DNC and Hillary's campaign were saying they were hacks, what they weren't just leaks. Um, and I thought that that was always notable that Obama didn't really necessarily seem to go along with what team Hillary was trying to say at the time. Um, and there seemed to be a rift there also just on a personal level between Hillary and Obama. Even Biden was like saying some things that made him seem more favorable to Bernie uh, when some reporter asked him like who he was going to vote for or something. Um, but now what's happening is a lot of these people from Obama's cabinet now are publicly throwing him under the bus. And I don't know if they're trying to rewrite history or if he is, or if they're actually like throwing him under the bus, um, like for real in the sense that they're portraying him as being weak on Russia at the time. And that they didn't do enough to stop like Russian meddling, um, especially during the election. Like Victoria Newland and even Biden have come out now at think tank talks and basically implied that Obama was too weak. Um, and this was like just in the last month. There seems to be like a script change going on now where it's now like Obama gets to be thrown under the bus by them. Um, and I'm wondering what he feels about that or if he's like just going along with it because he understands that. Um, I, I, I don't know. What do you think about that, Abby? I don't know. I mean... I think it's because we there are some people who do think it's ludicrous and don't want to come out full force behind it. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if that's if that's just how things are going to be like locked into history if they're going to like sort of leave this narrative now so so people will think that all of them wanted to do more about Russia but Obama was just didn't you know wouldn't didn't want to. And they right, want to come out right, looking right, right. good. No, I think that the I think that the narrative is going to be locked into the shifting the goalpost like it has I don't even think that Obama is going to be part of the conversation I think it's just going to be um yeah what we're going to see that that it was proven that Russia colluded even though there's no proof and these indictments are just going to be like a in the dustbin of history and no one's going to really look at the facts just like the DNI report you know just the intelligence yeah. agencies say so and that was that that's it um and and you see that the poll, that Pew Research poll that shows that Democrats um, trust the FBI and CIA, 70%. So it's as if history never happened. It's as if we just started this country yesterday. Yeah, it's the CIA, FBI are great again. Mm -hmm. Rob Reiner is like, mm -hmm. you know, saying that if you yeah. libel James Clapper and James Comey or whatever, you're like to treat your you're a traitor or something. Mueller's a hero. Let's yeah. believe everything he says. Even Kyle on the debate annoyed me that he was just like, I like what Mueller's doing and, and I think he, he's doing a great job. It's like, what? But even like, Jank Uger conceded on the debate and I, you talked about this in the solo podcast, but it was just interesting that he even conceded that yes, there, if it, it does just come down to money laundering, it doesn't have anything to do with the trolls or any of this stuff. It just comes down to money laundering. So if that's the case, why can't we also be talking about the overt money laundering between Israel, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey? 
that's the thing that Chank and Kyle didn't like. Kyle was like the me, like he accepted that that the media is too uncomfortable to talk about that. And the reason why they don't talk about that is because we're allies with them. But he didn't answer the question as why do we talk about Russia then specifically? Only, only. like it's not just random that it's like, well, they're allies and Russia's not. No, it's something way deeper than that that they neither of them explored. And I thought that was like a huge missed opportunity. Because there's a there's that's what we've been talking about on our podcast for like the past three years right. to why they w- are doing this now. This is right, the so final stage of the propaganda. Exactly, wave. exactly, and concocting this whole thing just surrounding Russia to bolster this thing about Russia. When really, if it does just come down to money laundering, there's there's a multitude of other countries that are probably more damning that we could far I more. I mean, if you really if you really want to indict Trump on on that. I think it's like a missed opportunity. I mean, I totally agree that he, he's guilty of money laundering in all these countries, obviously. How could you not? And Steve Bannon might be right. I mean, one of the things that got missed in Fire and Fury, and Kyle brought this up, was that um, Steve Bannon told Michael Wolff that this is all about money laundering. Like that, because mm-hmm. he thinks that Mueller is like some kind of expert on like getting people for money laundering. So that's what the, even Bannon thinks is going to be about in the end. And I guess just to cap off this this discussion about this new indictment, because let's just, you know, just encapsulate it with this doesn't indict any Trump officials in any way with colluding with Russian government officials. Right. At all. Even though this is probably not the end of the indictments. On um, a side note, Trump um, met with Kissinger. So all those lunatics out there who think that um, Trump is somehow anti-interventionist. And by the way, let's stop conflating left with neoliberalism and let's stop conflating Trump supporters with being anti-imperialist and anti-interventionist because they're not. And anyone who says that is a asshole at this point. Um, Trump is expanding the empire. We don't need to go into every single facet of how he's uh, doing this. I mean, it's completely obvious I don't know how much more willful ignorance you need to have to ignore this point. If you call yourself a leftist, please stop calling Democrats leftists. Please call them for what they are. Please stop pretending like the left has any sort of political power in this country. We don't. Um, We have zero representation. That's the whole point. So stop allowing this framing to take place. Please deconstruct this narrative when you see it being framed in this way, because it is so damaging. Um, Number two is we need to call out people like Jack White from Mike.com who pretends like he's this like pioneer in covering the alt-right. When he, when he really, covering Cernovich's party, he called them the alt-light. These people are not anti-interventionists. They uh, cheer on killing Muslims all the time. So we need to really be skeptical about people like Jack White who peddle their narratives for them and try to propagate some sort of fake horseshoe theory where these people are remotely similar to leftists or anti-imperialists or anti-interventionists in every way and anyway they're grifter nobodies who will latch on to whatever narrative they can to get ahead um and people like jack white who want to conflate the alt-right and real leftists you have to ask what is their agenda and it's disturbing to see people who i respect promoting this stuff and saying the alt-right is anti-war what are you talking about seriously so selectively just anti-war in the same way trump is you know they 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 have they hammer away on the talking points on syria and on russia but they're not anti-war in a general overall sense and then caitlin johnstone is another one of these you know figures who is basically actively communicating and, and allying herself on at least on social media with a lot of these alt-right figures. She claims she's a progressive feminist um, who says she's anti-war, 
but yet she wants us to work with people who are just like charlatans who are not anti-imperialists instead of telling us to work with, you know, people who are actually, you know, if you wanted to say work with some people on the right wing, it would have made more sense for her to pick people who actually like have spent their careers doing like anti-war work from the, you know, conservative side, but she didn't even do that. So, and, and there's many more people beyond just her. And that's yes, the sad there part. A lot. There are a lot of people and, in our circle, a lot of people in, you know, the broader circle that we're talking about right now that will selectively only criticize Democrats, only criticize Hillary Clinton, not criticize the fact that Trump is like carrying out this crazy evangelical, psychotic, Gestapo, bootlicking, fucking fascist as shit, empire expanding, bloodlust agenda where he's yeah. killing families and carpet bombing neighborhoods. So look, I get that it's really fun to have your shit go viral. I get that we're surviving on Patreon donations. I get it. I, it's a, it's a tough time out there. It's a tough world. Capitalism's tough. Um, but we have to actually have some sort of morals that we come back to and do we want to be those, that person? Do you want to be yeah. that person? Does it really mean that much to get those clicks, to get those likes? Does it? Yeah. Yeah. Because is I mean, it worth it? Apparently Tucker Carlson and Ann Coulter are now even like anti-neocon. That's anti-war. what I'm saying. Them too. That like, yeah. pr- like people who, who don't call them out. But I, and it almost like one way to call it as a, is grifting. Another way to call it, like to refer to it is like playing to the cheap seats. Like, yeah. you know, people who are stage performers, like know the difference between like getting cheap laughs, you know, like a, a comedian, like a stand-up comedian going for the cheap laughs, easy laughs rather than like winding up a punchline and like, you know, letting it sort of like draw out more or something like to get like a more complex audience response. I had to sound like pretentious or something like describing that. But I mean, it's the same concept with like some of these like YouTubers who constantly talk about, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, they very much align with me politically, but yet they don't talk about Trump very much. And they still seem to want to keep this balance of like, you know, wanting like people from both camps to like them still. A lot of these people just, became viral during the election and they've just tried to, they didn't know where to go after that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their audience was built on just pure Hillary Clinton hate. I get it. Hillary Clinton's a crazy warmonger. Um, but to stop there and just to keep going on that narrative and pretending like Trump has never won, I think is very strange um, given all that's happened over the last year. And I think that um, it's a shame because we do need these people's voices on the left. I think that, that's the problem. Someone like Caitlin Johnson, she's she's a, a great writer and has a lot of good things to say, but then she'll guide her audience over to thinking that the alt-right are anti-war. You need to move on past this audience building and start just doing what's right, <laughs> no yeah. matter if it'll lose you followers. I mean, honestly, I, I have shed my following so much. After Trump won, I was just like, immediately, I'm going to shed all of these Trump supporters. If anyone's following me because you support Trump, you're going to hate me soon. It's just a mess. It's a mess. And it's all about your truth. Ego oh, yeah. Truth. Speaking of QAnon update about your truth, the State of the Union didn't end with Trump sending all the pedos in, involved in Pedogate to Gitmo. So now QAnon is saying that the Nunes memo or whatever, Nunes memo, I don't know how to pronounce his name, um, is one of like eight memos and they're all going to be like released like with like week separating them. So they'll just be like a bomb each time and Great. get ready for the, for the next one and the next one and the next one. Get ready. 
So I guess QAnon's getting a little bit desperate, but it was really funny is that after the State of the Union, he actually started, QAnon started one of his posts with narrative change <laughs> in capitals. <laughs> and I was like, wait, was he listening to our podcast? We were like, he needs to change the narrative because it's like, <laughs> maybe like an inside joke about how he knows it's a troll job. I'm almost back to thinking it might just be like a conscious troll who just like, and is not, but I don't know. Sometimes I'm, I look at it and I'm like, is this someone who's like a delusional conspiracy theorist person who's worked themselves up into thinking that they're like, uh, almost like someone would be like a gang stock stalker victim. Like he thinks he is in Trump's white house. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like a, like no. a delusional mental, mentally ill person. That's it's, it's insane. <laughs> I think that it's obviously a deliberate troll because the other option is, I mean, that it's is somewhere truth, from which is not, <laughs> which is obviously not true. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know what you think about the stories, what you want us to cover. All of your feedback is greatly appreciated. You can comment on the SoundCloud timeline. Um, you can download the episodes there also on iTunes. You can subscribe as well. Thank you, Robbie, for filling in the gaps with your solo podcast. They're really awesome. I listened to half of it before we did this one. It was great. Everyone should check it out. Can't wait for your interview with Yasha Levine. And uh, yeah, if anyone's wondering what's been happening with the Empire Files, we uh, we're waiting for a payment for Telesur, and we are uh, we have a lot of stuff on the shelf ready to go, but we had to stop production for a second. Um, and we're putting out an episode with Tim Chirac talking all about Korea, which is really cool. We have a compilation of all the craziest threats from the Trump administration that are very surreal. Nice, can't wait. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash media roots radio and uh yeah uh still have copies of a very heavy agenda my documentary film series available on dvd and box sets as well and you can still purchase it streaming for download online at a very heavy agenda.com and uh follow us on twitter at fluorescent gray and at abby martin thank you so much for listening Bing.